People's History in Texas proudly presents Episode 2 of Doing the Right Thing, the Pesticide Battle in Texas. Today, we will be following the work of Juanita Cox, a grassroots leader in the United Farm Workers Union. Our current project here at People's History in Texas is the recovery of the 1980s history of Jim Hightower and his talented staff at the Texas Department of Agriculture. In the 1980s, the Texas Department of Agriculture was in the forefront of national creative public policy on issues of agricultural safety and sustainability. Their stated mission was to develop an agricultural policy that would save the family farmer, protect the farm worker, provide safe and quality products to the consumer, and protect the environment to boot. People's History in Texas conducted an oral history of Juanita Cox as part of that project. This is Carla Nickerson, and I'm happy that you joined me today as People's History in Texas explores stories about people, places, and events in Texas history that have been forgotten but should be remembered. Cesar Chavez in the 1970s, while organizing farm workers, discovered five cancer clusters among farm worker children in California. From that moment on, the United Farm Workers Union started a huge campaign agitating and educating about the use of pesticides and its effect on the community. In Texas, local labor organizers found an ally in Jim Hightower. Juanita Cox was born in Texas, and she spent a lifetime working with labor unions. I started volunteering um, because my mother and my, my, my mom and my dad were, were um, joined the United Farm Workers because we, we come from a farm worker family. We're, we were migrant farm workers, and, um, and so my mom and dad were both uh, members when Cesar Chavez started organizing here in South Texas. Juanita Cox became a leader in the United Farm Workers in Texas in the 1980s. She explained to People's History in Texas that Jim Hightower was one of the elected officials they felt they could trust. Juanita worked with Rebecca and Jim Harrington, who were union activists collaborating with farm workers to establish safe and fair conditions for those who worked in the fields. When Hightower came into office, um, the... Uh, Rebecca and Jim and the whole farm worker movement, we were uh, obviously organizing farm workers and then we were also um, helping to elect state representatives and senators. And so um, in my mind, the high tower successes for farm workers it was like a three prong um, strategy that we used. We had a really uh, strong organizing base of farm workers, union members. And then, then at that time, because we were under the union, we could directly endorse candidates. So the farm workers would um, question them, question all candidates, and then vote on who we we're going to endorse. And then we would work our behinds off to get them elected. And then we also filed lawsuits against the state of Texas on discrimination, discrimination of farm workers. And so... It was through the, through the organizing, through the political power, and through the lawsuits against the state of Texas. Jim Hightower also had a long history of involvement with agricultural issues. He had worked with the Agribusiness Accountability Group in Washington in the early 70s and was well aware of the problem of pesticides. 
Hightower knew that the USDA was mostly in the back pocket of the chemical and agribusiness companies. Regulation was minimal at the best. Since the federal government was failing in its duty to protect workers and consumers, it was up to the individual states to provide protection. Texas, in the early 80s, had very few laws in place. Juanita Cox explained how regulation was eventually created with the United Farm Workers and the Texas Department of Agriculture working both sides of the street. When it got to Hightower that the farm workers were trying to to uh, have a, a pesticide law that, that would protect us, then at that time, the union in California had won very, very strict pesticide regulations, but they did it under a collective bargaining agreement. Ooh. Well, Texas is a no, not a union state. Right. And so even though we were under the USW, we couldn't do what they were doing in California. So we had to figure another way of still bringing up protections to farm workers without a collective bargaining agreement. And so what we did is we did it that way with, uh, with the, uh, with the organizing, with the political strength and with the lawsuits. And so while California did it through a collective bargaining with Hightower, we were very proud. We were able to get, uh, even stronger pesticide regulations than what California had at that time. And that helped push the plight of farm workers. Why, why we were in the fields without, you know, without, without clean toilets and how we were working without clean drinking water and how we were being exposed. One of the creative and colorful ways of creating awareness of the problem was through crop sheets. This was part of the right to know law, which was discussed in episode one of this series. People who worked in the fields in the 80s all remember and relish the crop sheets. Those were not interesting to too many people, but to farm workers they were because because when the farmers were planting, right from the beginning when they were starting to plant, these crop sheets would tell us what they were putting into the soil. And then they and then when the crops were coming out sprouting already they would tell us what pesticide was going to be on that and then when we were ready to go in and harvest it would tell the farm workers what they were going to be exposed with and so those crop sheets were very valuable and as a union organizer myself and others we would take those to the fields and give them to the farm workers so that we could tell them that um, if they were exposed to this pesticide that the farmer was using and if they felt dizzy or they felt some symptoms of being exposed to pesticide, that they should take that to the doctors. Because at that time, even the doctors, there was a, a, a case where uh, this farm worker was administered the wrong medication after he was exposed to pesticide and he passed away. And so... And there were other cases here in the valley also. People didn't die, but the doctors just didn't it didn't know what to treat you with. And so those those crop sheets were very important to know what you were being exposed with, and they were very important for the doctors to know how to treat it, how to treat it. It wasn't enough to regulate and reduce the use of pesticides. An alternative had to be made available and publicized. The Hightower administration helped develop that alternative. We wanted to show farmers that we could grow, we could grow crops without pesticides. And so the Catholic Church in the, in the 70s, before my time, had donated 
10 acres of land to the union. And that's where we still have our office now, even though right now we're La Unión, we've changed to a, a C3. We're now La Unión del Pueblo which is a community union that was also uh, created by Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta, but it's not a labor union, it's a community union. When it was a UFW, and a high tower was there. We have, we still have those 10 acres and, and we used, uh, about five of those acres and we get, we ran a program called Centro 16 de Septiembre. It's not, in English, it's September the 16th. It means something in Mexicans. That's that Independence Day of Mexico. And so we called our program that and then we got gathered a group of farm workers and then we gave a certain amount of those acres to different farm workers and we planted um different crops, tomato, all kinds of different crops, but we it was totally organic. And so we told Hightower we applied the TDA. Hightower uh, approved our grant application and he gave our organization um fifteen fifteen thousand dollars to do organic farming. The alliance between the United Farm Workers and the Texas Department of Agriculture was successful in changing the face of agriculture in Texas. The issue with, with, with the organic farm, it was very successful to the point of where at that time, in those years, there was no market for organic uh, produce here in the Valley. If we wanted to sell our produce, we had to go to Whole Foods in Austin. And in there, and in order to get our products to, to, to Austin, we had to have a refrigerated truck. Well, there was no way we couldn't. So what we were doing is transporting to Austin in, uh, in ice chests, but we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't get enough. So, so, uh, we also had to have a refrigerated, um, unit where we would keep everything that we were harvesting and that, was costly and it was impossible for us at that time. So, but it was it was just another way of showing that you still grow beautiful crops without poisoning people or the or the or the land. That's how I got to know Hightower. And while we were working on pesticides, he would come to the union hall often to talk to the workers about about the issues of pesticides and and uh, and the the interest that he had in helping. Uh, helping farm workers with that. And so um, it was very successful. Thank you for listening to Mining the Archives. If you want to learn more about People's History in Texas, visit our website at peopleshistoryintexas.org or like our Facebook page, where you can read regularly updated blog posts and where you can also find a list of People's History in Texas documentaries.